Welcome to Wicked Majesty. Hello everybody, this is Kia from Wicked Majesty and you are listening to Tea and Terror Podcast, the show that entertains with true and fictional stories from beyond the grave for people who love horror. Welcome to another night of terror and classic macabre on the Tea and Terror Podcast. I am your host, Kia Reed. Tonight, step into the macabre world of the Anatomy Theater in the third episode, The Dark Anatomy Theater, in the Body Snatcher series. Here, we explore the sinister underbelly of medical education where bodies were dissected in front of eager audiences hungry for knowledge. Join us as we delve into the secret chambers where anatomists wielded scalpels, shedding light on the mysteries of the human body. While steeped in an atmosphere of dread and dread, discover how these theaters became the backdrop for Stevenson's spine-chilling tale, The Body Snatcher. Prepare to witness the grotesque spectacle that lay behind the doors of the dark anatomy theater. If you are watching from the Wicked Majesty YouTube channel and it's your first time seeing my content, welcome to the Wicked Majesty channel. I post horror stories, gothic tales, and creepypastas that will get your blood rushing and nightmares beyond your imagination. If horror is your thing, then I encourage you to hit that subscribe button and ring the notification bell for updates on the Body Snatcher series and other videos I post each week. If you are a returning subscriber, thank you very much for watching my videos and subscribing. You definitely help my channel flourish and I greatly appreciate it. If you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, then please share the Tea and Terror podcast with others, add it to your playlist, and subscribe. Thank you all so much. day's work was over, Fetch dropped into a popular tavern and found McFarland sitting with a stranger. This was a small man, very pale and dark, with coal black eyes. The cut of his features gave a promise of intellect and refinement which was but feebly realised in his manners, for he proved, upon a nearer acquaintance, coarse, vulgar and stupid. He exercised, however, a very remarkable control over McFarland, issued orders like the great Bashaw, became inflamed at the least discussion or delay and commented rudely on the servility 
with which he was obeyed. This most offensive person took a fancy to Fetz on the spot, plied him with drinks, and honoured him with unusual confidences in his past career. If a tenth part of what he confessed were true, he was a very loathsome rogue, and the lad's vanity was tickled by the attention of so experienced a man. I'm a pretty bad fella myself, but McFarlane is the boy. Toddy McFarlane, I call him. Toddy, order your friend another glass. Or it might be. Toddy, you jump up and shut the door. Toddy hates me. Oh yes, Toddy, you do. Don't you call me that confounded name. Hear him. Did you ever see the lads play knife? He would like to do that all over my body. We medicals have a better way than that. When we dislike a dead friend of ours, we dissect him. McFarlane looked up sharply, as though this jest were scarcely to his mind. The afternoon passed. Grey, for that was the stranger's name, invited Fetz to join them at dinner, ordered a feast so sumptuous that the tavern was thrown into commotion, and when all was done, commanded McFarlane to settle the bill. It was late before they separated. The man, Grey, was incapably drunk. McFarlane, sobered by his fury, chewed the cud of the money he had been forced to squander and the slights he had been obliged to swallow. Fetz, with various liquors singing in his head, returned home with devious footsteps and a mind entirely in abeyance. Next day McFarlane was absent from the class, and Fetz smiled to himself as he imagined him still squiring the intolerable grey from tavern to tavern. As soon as the hour of liberty had struck, he posted from place to place in quest of his last night's companions. He could find them, however, nowhere, so he returned early to his rooms, went early to bed, and slept the sleep of the just. At far in the morning he was awakened by the well-known signal. Descending to the door, he was filled with astonishment to find McFarlane with his gig, and in the gig one of those long and ghastly packages which he was so well acquainted. What? Have you been out alone? How did you manage? But McFarlane silenced him roughly, bidding him to turn to business. When they had got the body upstairs and laid it on the table, McFarlane made at first as if he were going away. Then he paused and seemed to hesitate. You had better look at the face. You had better. Fetz stared at him in wonder. But where and how? And when did you come by it? Look at the face. Fetz was staggered. Strange doubts assailed him. He looked from the young doctor to the body and then back again. At last, with a start... He did as he was bidden. He had almost expected the sight that met his eyes, and yet the shock was cruel. To see, fixed with the rigidity of death and naked on the coarse layer of sackcloth, the man whom he had left well clad and full of meat and sin upon the threshold of a tavern, awoke, even of the thoughtless fetes, some terrors of conscience. It was a cross tibby which re-echoed in his soul that two whom he had known should have come to lie upon these icy tables. Yet these were only secondary thoughts. His first concern regarded Wolf. Unprepared for a challenge so monumentous, he knew not how to look his comrade in the face. He durst not meet his eye, and he had neither words nor voice at his command. It was McFarlane himself who made the first advance. He came up quietly behind and laid his hand gently but firmly on the other's shoulder. Richardson may have the head. Now Richardson was a student who had long been anxious for that portion of the human subject to dissect. There was no answer, and the murderer resumed. Talking of business, you must pay me. Your accounts, you see, 
must tally. Pay you? Pay you for that? Why, yes, of course you must. By all means, and on every possible account you must. I dare not give it for nothing. You dare not take it for nothing. It would compromise us both. This is another case like Jane Galblife's. The more things are wrong, the more we must act as if all were right. Where does old K keep his money? There. Fitz directed as he pointed towards a cupboard in the corner. Give me the key then. McFarlane, calm, held out his hand. There was an instant's hesitation and the die was cast. McFarlane could not suppress a nervous twitch, the infinitesimal mark of an immense relief as he felt the key between his fingers. He opened the cupboard, brought out pen and ink and a paper book that stood in one compartment, and separated from the funds in a drawer a sum suitable to the occasion. Now look here. This is the payment made. First proof of your good faith. First step to your security. You have now to clinch it by a second, enter the payment in your book, and then you, for your part, may defy the devil. Well, that is our episode for the week. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more episodes coming up in the future, then definitely add the Tea and Terror to your playlist on Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also check out the show on my Wicked Majesty channel. This is Kia, and I will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Have a good night.